0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for
0: Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I had a very interesting thought occur to me. As I was driving back from my cruise, and first of all, it is great to be back with all of you here today. Fun to be live, fun to be doing this show the way we always do. And it's one of those things where you've been away for a week, and I was completely unplugged. I'm totally unaware of anything going on in the world, which is exactly the way I think a vacation should play out if you're lucky enough to be able to do that. And as I kind of got reacquainted with the sports conversation a little bit over the course of the last 24 hours, there was one thought about Georgia football that kind of really struck me in an interesting way. I want to share this with you coming up in a moment. I want to start with something different and get to that in a moment. But if you're a UGA fan, not only has your present been changed by how successful Georgia is, and not only is the outlook for the future incredibly bright, There is also now maybe a little bit of a reconsidering of the past, which I think is really interesting. And we're going to get to that here coming up in just a moment. Let me just say one more time how great it is to be back with all of you here today. Let me begin, though, with this. I think one of the most interesting figures on Georgia's roster the last couple of years and one of the most interesting figures from the sort of ranks of former Georgia players now moving on to the NFL draft is cornerback Keely Ringo. You know, a lot of people think they want to be famous. And yet when you actually get a taste of fame, you realize sometimes know, it kind of brings its own set of challenges. Ringo has been among the more famous players on the Georgia roster because of his connection to the great interception against Alabama that kind of sealed the deal for Georgia's national championship. A lot of you have paintings of Ringo kind of hanging in your you know uh, basement somewhere. A lot of you have kind of gone out and gotten his autograph. You know, Keely Ringo is this like historic figure at Georgia because of his connection to that great play. But when you have that level of fame, all of a sudden a lot of eyeballs kind of gravitate towards you in a way that maybe doesn't exist for the average player who's just not as connected to such a historic play. So this past year, I would say the Keely Ringo at times became – one of georgia's more polarizing players and at times maybe Killy ringo probably had a couple of moments in the field that he wishes kind of had played out different than they did he also was a part of a couple of great moments for georgia there too he's really no different than any other player in that regard when you're playing at a high level you know you're not going to bat a thousand in any situation and you know ringo had some great moments in coverage and a couple of times maybe got beaten coverage and you know all of that sort of sort of told the story of his season and going into the Tennessee game, you know that's a game in which Keeley had a big interception, and obviously, you know, always seemed to kind of show up big in the big moments. It seemed like uh, for Keeley Ringo, but at the time, Ringo was kind of asked about the fact that you know he himself had dealt with a little bit of criticism. This was true leading into that game in November. It actually was even true, you know, you know after that game there as well that Ringo, because of his fame, was just in a big spotlight, and everybody always seemed to notice when either he wasn't doing what they thought he should be doing or the perception of him wasn't that he was you know, getting beaten coverage or whatever else, how true that was, I guess, is uh, you know for other folks to necessarily decide. But Ringo did address the fact that, hey, he played this season with a big spotlight on him, and when folks saw him less than perfect, less than at his best, a lot of times he became a little bit of a lightning rod for criticism. And Ringo, uh, prior to that game against Tennessee, or I should say in the immediate aftermath of that game against Tennessee – was willing to talk about just how true that really was. This is what Ringo said back in November. i play this for you as a way of setting up what we're going to do today. Here is Akili Ringo from back then.
2: Honestly, as a player, I would say it was a little bit upsetting, but um, I feel like going out there, that didn't have anything to do with it. Um, I, I feel like being able to just prove different people wrong. Uh, we've seen a lot of different articles and stuff like that. Um, we try to stay away from the media and, um, and, and just continue to work on our preparation and just be able to execute, it. and I feel like the rest will take care of itself.
0: So that's Keely Ringo kind of addressing all of that, that um, uh, that, you know, he knew he had that criticism and as a player, you sort of shake that off and kind of go about your business. And obviously that was important for Ringo to do during the season. But that same attitude is probably going to serve Keely Ringo well now as he moves on to the nfl draft because once again you know ringo is one of the most more talked about prospects in this upcoming nfl draft but he's going to be talked about in such a way that some folks going to really like what he brings to the table and some folks maybe see some moments during the season where they're questioning you know is this guy worthy of being a first round pick and i think you see a lot of this reflecting something that daniel jeremiah who i think of of all the nfl draft analysts i believe that jeremiah is probably the best works at the nfl network And Jeremiah did one of these calls with reporters of the day where, you know, you got a chance to ask him questions. I think that you've seen some of this at dognation.com already over the course of the last couple of days. And the subject of Keely Ringo came up. And I think that Daniel Jeremiah did a really good job of kind of laying out, you know, kind of the I guess the debate that centers around Ringo right now. Let me read this to you a little bit, kind of a longer quote, but I want to read you the entire thing or at least a portion of the quote here uh, from Daniel Jeremiah. He says that Keeley is going to be, I don't want to say polarizing. I just think he's going to fit certain teams. He's not going to necessarily fit others. I think there's a real chance he goes in the first round, especially when he puts on a show when he runs. He's a little rigid, though. He's a little bit tight. I think if you are a cover three team, you're going to love him. I like him as a player. You watch him as a gunner. You watch him on kickoff. That tells you a lot about a guy of that stature, that type of recruit, that type of reputation as a defensive player to not only be on teams, he means special teams, but to be playing with maximum effort and be a good player on special teams. I think, it tell, I think it tells you a lot about him and his makeup. Once again, that's Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, recent conference call with reporters speaking about a number, a range of NFL draft topics. Now, let me break down a couple of things for this uh, from this here for a moment. First of all, on the Ringo topic in particular here, I think if you're a UGA fan, this really kind of draws the lines of a real topic that's going to play out for us over the course of the next few weeks. You know, as you head towards the NFL draft, exactly how Keeley Ringo is viewed. And for me, I am not as big into the NFL draft conversation as maybe some other people are. That's not my thing as much. I like the draft. I don't like the pre-draft process necessarily quite as much. So I may not get into this part of this as much as, you know, maybe some of uh, maybe some of you like to some of you will. But I'll tell you this, given what Ringo has given to George, obviously his, you know, his fingerprints on the great play at the end of the 2021 season, the interception against Alabama, but also the being a big guy as a part of George's last two national championships, knowing that the. Knowing that the the the, uh, the opportunity exists for Ringo to kind of move into the first round here to, to really cement himself as a first round pick, you better believe I'm going to be rooting hard for that to happen. I know many of you will be there as well, but you better believe that's what I'm going to be rooting for to happen. Because Ringo has given a lot to Georgia, and I'd love to see him rewarded as a first round pick. And Jeremiah kind of sets it up that he's either you know kind of top into the second round, making his way into the first round, and how he kind of performs in some of these pre draft events is going to kind of determine how a lot of that. Play out, So I don't have to tell you that is what I'm rooting for. But that's not the only reason why I share the quote from Daniel Jeremiah, because I think beyond just the central debate here around Ringo of whether or not he is or isn't a first round pick. A story uh, about a guy like Keeley Ringo, I think also gives us a strong indication of sort of what makes Georgia, Georgia. And as you see, Ringo get a chance to kind of prove that he really is supposed to be a first round pick. What Jeremiah says there is a little bit of a reminder that there is just something special about these guys that come out of Georgia right now. We saw teams gravitate towards that in the twenty twenty in the 2022 draft at the end of the 2021 season. And we may see the same thing again here this year as well. And in fact, if you don't mind, can I see that Jeremiah quote on the screen one more time? Because I want to read the second part of this to you again, because this to me is one of the things that makes Georgia, Georgia. Can I see this one more time on uh, Jeremiah here? He says, um, you watch him on kickoff that tells you a lot about a guy of that stature, that type of recruit, that type of reputation as a defensive player to play on special teams. In other words, Ringo is a five-star guy. Ringo is a guy that began his college career with the idea that he would very likely have a chance to be a first-round pick at the end of his college career, and yet he still plays on special teams. And not only does he play on special teams, as Jeremiah says, he plays with maximum effort, and he's a good special teams player. That tells you a lot about him and his makeup, Jeremiah says. But I would add to that, and this is the part that matters to our audience and matters to me, that also tells you a lot about Georgia there as well. This is what Georgia asks from its players. We're going to ask you to contribute on special teams, not just be the star cornerback, the lockdown cornerback, the kind of glamour, glory position. We're going to ask you to play on special teams where you don't get as much glory. You don't get as much fame. You don't get as many pats in the back because the average fan you know, doesn't necessarily always know the 11 guys that are out there on special teams. It doesn't seem like it's as glamorous and glorious, but at Georgia, we're going to ask you to do that. And that's a big ask from a team to players like that. That's a big ask. But the reward for that is guys like Daniel Jeremiah notice you and guys like Daniel Jeremiah say when it comes to the debate about whether or not Ringo should or shouldn't be a first-round pick, the fact that that he played so well in special teams, the fact that he was a willing special teams player, maybe that's supposed to be the kind of deciding factor that determines, yeah, he really should be a first-round pick because of what he is doing on special teams doesn't that say a lot about what Georgia is all about? And doesn't that kind of reinforce a lot about what the Georgia culture has been all about? The culture that asks you to embrace doing what's hard, the culture that asks you to embrace being about more than just your individual accolades, your individual glory, the culture that asks you to play on special teams. In fact, how many times do we hear Kirby in the midst of talking about whatever kind of pivot back towards special teams and what he's talking about and i have to admit there's times when i sort of roll my eyes at that because it's, it it kind of gets a little boring it kind of gets a little you know whatever it's just you know it just sort of feels like the sort of typical kirby smart coach speak type stuff but it is a really big thing about what makes georgia georgia it just really is in fact i want to play you a clip again that I played for you last week on our vacation shows. We were talking about uh, Smile Monon at one point in time. And this clip on Smile Monon is the perfect example of what I'm talking about here, where in the midst of, of, of talking about something, you've heard this a million times. This is just the, the quickest clip I could find that reinforces this point. We're in the midst of talking about something, Kirby sort of pivots away and starts talking about special teams. But when you hear Daniel Jeremiah saying what he says there, you are reminded it is reinforced why Kirby is the way that he is and why he has crafted Georgia to be the way that it is as well. So here is Kirby on the subject of Smile Monden, yet eventually making it about special teams. And you sort of get why all of this kind of comes together when you hear Kirby Smart say things like this.
2: Smile Mondin is as good an athlete as I've seen. He has to increase his physicality, his toughness. Um, he missed spring. Um, because of a, a shoulder surgery but he's put on some good solid weight he's a really good athlete he played a lot of snaps on special teams core linebackers get valuable experience on special teams before they're the feature guy
0: so that's what kirby has done so many times right it's like you ask him a question in this case about smile money he talks about smile money but eventually he sort of pivots back to oh yeah special teams there as well and You know, you could think of a million examples like that, where if you watch the Kirby Smart Press Conference, you listen to them, you hear Kirby sort of doing that same type of thing. And it's not just coach speak. It really is one of the things that makes Georgia, Georgia, because no doubt when you look at back to back national championships, it has been the cultural contribution part of that that has been so important It is a culture where even great players, even former five stars, even former or, or eventual first round picks. Are asked to be very good special teams players too and when you're doing that at Georgia sometimes you're left to wonder is this all worth it I'm working harder here than I might work somewhere else and yet when a guy like Daniel Jeremiah says I see you working I see you doing what you're doing and in the debate about whether or not you should or shouldn't be a first round pick the fact that you Keely Ringo have been so good on special teams playing in kick coverage doing things like that then that might be the one idea the one element that sort of swings the debate in your direction in terms of actually being a first round pick it's one of the great things about the nfl draft right now not only that do we who are georgia fans get a chance to root for our former guys to go on and have great you know financial success and 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 be lauded by the nfl draft and have roger goodell call their name in the first round We also see some of the things that have made Georgia what it is, the culture that has made this program so special. We see those things reinforced as well. The words of Daniel Jeremiah are a reminder of that, that at Georgia, you're asked to do some hard things. But if you do those hard things well enough, the folks that get you paid on Sundays in the NFL, they are going to definitely notice what you've been all about. My name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia and i am so happy to be back with you after a great vacation i'll tell you more about that later on but a great great vacation just so so thankful to be back here today and so grateful to have you tune in for our vacation shows last week but also back here live we got going again first time in a while uh, in a week to be doing our first in 15 this morning nine forty-five. DogNation.com, the dog nation app of course we're all across all the video platforms now 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch a radio back on uh, the radio today at noon on app sports radio nine 6, the ref and that's a podcast across all the podcast platforms apple spotify the world famous dog nation.com we are just really really happy to have you tuning in no matter how you get to us today and a huge thanks to our friends at Pella window and door of George, for making it all possible you know Pella is just such a great sponsor of ours and I love what they do for our audience because listen when it comes to your home and taking care of your home and making it look the way you want to look on the outside, feeling the way you want to feel on the inside. There's really no better product to kind of enhance all of that than the great Windows and doors, those energy efficient windows and doors that Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. And many of you are aware of this. You kind of know year after year and surveys that are done of homeowners right here in our market that Pella has been recognized as really the brand leader when it comes to entry doors and windows and things like that. But maybe a lot of you have kind of heard me talk about this and. You want to kind of learn more about what exactly is it that makes Pella Pella. Well, I would invite you to do that. If you're in the market for better windows, better doors, then learning more about what Pella is all about is exactly what you should do. You can stop by and see them in their experience center there in Duluth. You can talk to one of the Pella experts. It's, of course, a no-pressure conversation. It's just a consultation, really, to kind of educate you on why Pella is so respected and why the homeowners that have chosen Pella Pella windows and doors have been so happy with that choice, and you can kind of learn about the installation options and the variety of products that are out there. You can also learn about some financing options there, too, and you can really put your hand on the the, the doors, the windows. You can feel it, kind of feel what makes them special, feel what makes them a different. You can also start your experience online if you want to there as well, PellaFGA.com slash nation. That is Pella of GA.com slash dog nation. Also give them a call 678-638-1429. That is 678-638-1429. Just make sure you tell them the B.A., from dog nation daily sent you over there. And then I told you that they would take good care of you because I know they will. You can even get great savings right now too, between now and March 26th, 50% off qualifying installations or no payments, no interest until 2024. You can check all of that out today. It is Pella of GA.com slash dog nation, or give them a call 678-638-1429. That is 678-638-1429 Pella window indoor of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to talk to John Stinchcombe here coming up in a moment. We also view him to be our best when it comes to analysts breaking down everything that's going on. We'll do that with him coming up in a moment. Prior to that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today. I told you before that there's this kind of, uh, I guess, thought that occurred to me yesterday, and it was kind of a, an appealing idea to consider based on how tormented some of us have kind of been in the past. I'll give you a little bit of a th- uh, quick backstory here. So, when I go on a cruise, go to the Caribbean, something like that, you know, I like to kind of like completely unplug, completely uh, unwind. So I, for the most part, just leave my phone on airplane mode the entire time. No texts, no calls, no internet, no social media, no to use bad grammar, no nothing. I, just, I, I like to really be as unplugged as I possibly can be. My wife doesn't completely do that. She's got to stay connected with some of her family a, a little bit uh, for different things. But But for me, if I've got the opportunity to completely unplug to completely sort of disengage, I like to do that. But it creates a very weird scenario though, is that when you do turn that phone back on again, you get this sort of onslaught of all kinds of information, emails and texts and whatever else, and also some of the stuff that's just been going on in the college football world, you sort of get all of that at once. And you're kind of, I don't know, sort of drinking from a fire hose there for a second as all this kind of comes flooding back to your phone. And one of the things that I noticed, I guess over the weekend, I guess it would have been yesterday, the yesterday was February 26th and February 26th is 226. And a lot of Alabama fans, a lot of, you know, media that serves these Alabama fans have sort of created the idea that February 26th is 226 day. In other words, second in 26, the uh, play to conclude the uh, 2017 national championship game here in Atlanta, where uh, Tua Tungo Loa hit Devontae Smith for the uh, touchdown. In fact, you probably saw a lot of this online. I'll show you one example of this here. Of uh, you know Alabama fans, yeah. So here's the uh, the uh, Alabama account from al.com, the media entity that covers them. There saying, "Happy second twenty six day, Tide fans," and it's the uh, flashback to Devontae Smith and to a Happy two twenty six day and all that kind of stuff. And Alabama fans have just sort of thought that was so funny for quite some time. But here is the thing that I noticed yesterday. Maybe maybe you've noticed this too. Maybe you haven't quite articulated this way, or maybe you have. Doesn't it feel like? Because of back-to-back national championships for Georgia, that whatever power used to exist around ooh two twenty-six and ha 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 second and twenty-six day, or that one time the Alabama marching band kind of made the second and twenty-six sort of thing uh, on the uh, uh, on, on the field as they were you know performing. Doesn't it sort of feel like whatever energy existed around that, whatever power existed around that has just gone away, that it doesn't exist anymore, and that whatever sting that maybe Alabama fans tried to kind of uh, throw Georgia fans away because of this, it's just sort of gone now because now that Georgia's won back-to-back national championships, all of a sudden what has happened, what, five, six years ago in the past – all of a sudden, that just doesn't feel like anything anymore. And if anything, doesn't it seem like that day, which at the time, listen, we're not going to lie, I mean, that was devastating. I remember being on the field, really only a few feet away from Smith when he caught the touchdown. At the time, that was devastating. And I mean, at the time, it was one of the most painful things that Georgia fans had experienced. But all of a sudden now, it wasn't the sort of sad ending to a, a sort of a unfortunate game. All of a sudden now it really sort of seems like the beginning of something. Like if you watch movies or comic books, things like that, this is sort of the Kirby smart Georgia Bulldogs origin story. Right. You know, uh, Rocky Balboa, great hero of my childhood. He didn't win his first championship match. right? Uh, Apollo Creed beat him. And then he came back and, you know, won again after that. Luke Skywalker, the first time he battled Darth Vader, he didn't really win that match because arm cut off. Spoiler alert, um, he, you know, he got his arm cut off, but he came back won the next time. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan trying to compete for NBA championships, eventually won six. But first couple times he had big playoff games you know, or playoff series, he lost the Detroit Pistons. And that's the origin story of greatness so many times is, hey, that first big chance you have to go out and win something, you don't get it done. And it seems really, really painful. But that pain births something in you that gives you the metal you need, the scar tissue you need to later go on to be great. And that's really what kind of second and 26 has sort of become about. Yeah, at the time, it felt like another great moment for Alabama. But now it just sort of seems like ancient history for Alabama. And yet for Georgia, it seemed like the start of something really special and historic that has moved on to become back-to-back national championships. And if you want to go back to second and 26 day, which Alabama fans still seem to laugh about, if you want to go back to that 226 moment uh, from the end of the 2017 season, If you listen to Kirby Smart back then, he sort of foreshadowed everything that has happened since then. And since Alabama fans seem so intent to kind of go back and remember the past, let's remember this part of the past too. This is what Kirby Smart said way back then.
2: We told our team that this game wouldn't be decided by past traditions or or anything else. It was going to be decided by performances that were happening on the field. And our guys performed on the field, competed. You know, I, I can't say enough about the remarkable senior class. These two young men sitting next to me, they meant more to Georgia than yards. A lot of heart and soul, a lot of fire. Sonny Michelle came over and talked to the group several times during the game, inspired those guys. But in overtime, we didn't finish when we had to, and Alabama did, and to give them credit, but I think everybody can see that Georgia's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I'm very proud of this team and this university we're not
0: going anywhere don't you love that the end we're not going anywhere we're not going anywhere guess what georgia didn't go anywhere now it took him a couple of years but what kirby smart said was going to be true then is massively true now back-to-back national championships so when an alabama fan tries to tell you second 26 you tell him third and six because that's what georgia's going for this year their third national championships in the six years since that moment The idea that Kirby Smart says we're not going anywhere, that's exactly what Georgia proved to be true. And now it's go for three in 23, or as I said before, third and sixth. Third national championship in six years. And since Alabama had that moment in the 2017 season, what's their only other national championship? What, a pandemic thing in 2020? I guess that counts. I don't know. Uh, But I do know what counts for Georgia. Back-to-back national championship. So, yeah, second 26 happened. It was painful. And Alabama fans – can, uh, you know, I guess, relish that history. But the more time passes, the more that starts to feel like ancient history a little bit, and the more what actually that day might be remembered for is the origin story for a new dynasty, the one that's taking place at Georgia here right now. So couldn't help but notice that with a lot of Alabama fans on social media and a lot of the media accounts out there that kind of serve those Alabama fans. While they were having fun with Second twenty-six. I have to say, as a Georgia fan, 2nd 26 now sort of means something a little bit different than it used to to me. Maybe it does to you there as well. We'll make that around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, Window, and Door of Georgia. All right. Before we are done on today's show, uh, last week while I was on vacation, I asked a lot of our guys who joined us to kind of give me their Mount Rushmore for Georgia football. So I'm going to turn the spotlight back on myself and give you my official answer to that before we're done here today just going to put a little bit of a punctuation mark on that but for now on everything that's going on with Georgia football getting ready for the NFL draft and all kinds of fun stuff they're on all of that let's talk to John Stinchcomb right now first time in a while for us so we're looking forward to it right here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of Georgia From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. John Stinchcomb, it is great to have you back. You had a uh, skiing trip. I had a uh, little cruise. And now we're all back here together. And I hope you feel as energized coming off your vacation as I do uh, from mine. I, I love being away, love coming back. And it's just kind of funny you have a whole new outlook on life after uh, something like this. So uh, just really, really excited about that. And great to be able to talk to you again here today too, John.
1: and it's amazing how much has happened in February for the dogs while we were gone.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, i got to ask you, you're kind of a big guy. How do you handle the ski slopes? I mean, you're a tall guy, big dude. You're certainly not you know, anywhere near your playing weight, but you're still a bigger guy. Uh, how does a guy like you handle the ski slopes? Oh,
1: like a real athlete. <laughs> and uh, considering you didn't get to see me out there, I can tell you whatever stories I want at this point. No, I, I enjoy the floats. They're fun. It was one of those things where while you're playing, you don't want to get out there and risk it too much. But now that you're done and you're on the backside of things, uh, it's good to get out there and enjoy some snow. So it's funny. Um, I'm grateful to be skiing with my kids, but it's amazing how sore you get. You know, That first night, I was like, I don't know if I, I can ski the next two days. I, I hadn't. Worked out like that, or worked those muscles in, in a long time, but it was a
0: lot of fun. And you know, one of the things I was talking about before you joined us is, so I'm coming back from vacation yesterday, and you get online for the first time, you start seeing what people are talking about, and you see a lot of Alabama fans kind of reminiscing about the second 26th moment from the 2017 season, because yesterday was, I guess, February 26, 226 day, they like to call it. And John, I don't know if you feel the way that I do, but to me there is so much sting that's kind of taken out of the past because of how great the present is for Georgia. And what seemed like a, a really, you know, great moment for Alabama at the time, it certainly was. But over the course of time, that starts to feel a little bit more like ancient history. And for Georgia, even though that was kind of painful, it was in a lot of ways validation that Kirby Smart was the kind of coach that could get Georgia to a national championship game. He did it in just his second season. And Kirby, after that game, said, Hey, we're not going anywhere as a program. And sure enough, you know, a few years later, now Georgia's got two national championships of its own. Are you like me in that, you know, revisiting some of those moments from the past that were painful at the time? They don't quite seem so painful anymore, do they? <laughs>
1: Amazing how winning can take the sting out of some of those uh, moments in the past. I know you look back at, you know, even the Chris Connelly catch on the one yeah. uh, years ago, and the fight that that had, and that seems like a distant memory now. It's you win a couple national championships, and it's a little more palatable going into those discussions, whether it's with a Alabama fan in a comment section or otherwise, uh, when you're. Coming off back-to-back natties, it's a, it's a much better platform to view just about anything.
0: And for me, the other thing this brings about, John, is it's sort of hard to kind of put yourself mentally where you would have been way back then or anything like that. But I think when Kirby has had the kind of success that he's had, there's a way in which you look at it where it sort of all seems faded. This was all sort of guaranteed to happen because how could it not have been? It's It's been such a steamroller the last couple of years. But back then, things were any anything but certain you know 2016 kirby's first year there were a lot of folks who wondered if georgia might have buyer's remorse about hiring him just given the fact that they only went eight and five that first year and mark rick was having great success uh at miami and of course you and i both you know love coach rick so you know you're you know happy for him but there was this thought of are you really sure you made the right decision to kind of move away from rick to move towards kirby smart that was a conversation that was going on and when, you know, Georgia was losing to Alabama in 2017 and coming back and losing to Alabama again in 2018, there was also this thought of, well, is he really going to be able to get over the hump and beat his old boss? Or is this simple, you know, simply a, a matter of, you know, you know Kirby Smart sort of falling short compared to his you know mentor here. That that there was a lot of doubt that had to be exercised along the way to Georgia having the success that it's had. And when you go back and revisit that, I think it's important to tell that part of the story, which is, hey, along the way, you know, Kirby did have to prove himself that he could be the kind of coach that he's turned out to be.
1: And the, you don't even have to go that far back. I mean, two years ago, that before. on the run to our first national championship, um, the the discussion was the game's evolved. It's, you know, with a defensive coach, is is that going to be enough? You know, Alabama has changed their ways. They're they're opening up their offense. What about Georgia? And, you know, is is Kirby smart in the way he's approaching things with defense first? Is that ever going to be able to win championships? The old adage, that that still apply, that defense wins championships. And uh, back-to-back times, he's proven himself right. But there was a lot of questions that had to be answered, and I'm sure there's plenty of folks that look through history with these rose-colored glasses of like, oh, I never had a doubt. But they were few and far between for a couple of years there where, you know, we, I think we all recognized that Georgia was good, but – the, the conversation surrounded: Will they be able to f- clear that final hurdle, that final hub, um, and, and bridge that gap? Because of those opportunities that we had, whether it was LSU or Alabama at the time, that you know were, were exploding offensively, just the way we were built, is that a, a good recipe to find success? And um, I think it's it's you know, pretty clear now. You look back and see the evolution of the offense, but also the importance of having uh, and maintaining that perspective that defense does matter and we're not all becoming, you know, those West Coast teams where you have to score 55 points a game and allow about the same. And, um, it's. I'm grateful that we've got the perspective that we do, and you can look back and say, well, of course it, it, it played out the way it did, but it wasn't the, the given that it has become, uh, at least not at the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And since you kind of opened this door, I want to walk through it a little bit. You talked about the things that have happened around Georgia since you and I last spoke. Obviously, Georgia's hired a new offensive coordinator, a guy you know well, Mike Bobo, now that Todd Munkin's moving on to the NFL, and this creates... A great debate among georgia fans about you know whether or not bobo is going to be the right hire for whatever reason you know mike's always been kind of a polarizing figure for for, for many fans and so i, I guess i asked this i don't ask this rhetorically i ask this legitimately you know given the way that kirby has proven himself over the course of these last few years how bulletproof should that make him in a discussion like this in other words is it fair to wonder? Well, is Bobo the right hire? And you and I kind of also did some of this last year when Stacy Searls was hired as offensive line coach. Or is it simply a matter of, hey, Kirby's won two straight national championships, and so therefore, no decision he makes right now should be questioned at all. Like, like how much room is there for like reasonable question, reasonable doubt, reasonable discussion uh, for a, for a decision made by Kirby Smart after Kirby has won so much? Over the course of these last few years, and proven himself over the course of these last few years, kind of leading to that.
1: Yeah, and I I think what he has earned is the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt of this hire or any other of saying, oh, is this lazy? Oh, is this just a homer pick? And you've got to give Kirby the benefit of the doubt that Mike Bobo is the the best candidate that he saw for this job. The, The connection not only to recruiting in the state, his familiarity with the, the traditions and history of the program, but more importantly his ability to lead and execute an offense at a national championship level and uh, I, I think even coach Munken was recognizing uh, Bobo's contributions in you know, I pointed to it often but the, his broiled speech when you're talking about the assistant of the year and uh, Munken was quick to point out that the offensive staff, deserves a, a reasonable amount of credit for the success this offense has had, at least over the last couple of years. And so for Coach Smart and any higher, including this one, he has earned the benefit of the doubt. Until proven otherwise, trust me that I've got uh, the ability to make the best decisions for this program. And uh, for all the naysayers out there, I you know, read a, an article saying you know, this was uh, Coach Smart's first bad hire, you're thinking this is, uh, you know, I understand folks are trying to you know, get clips and, and draw attention, but um, even when Bobo was here and was the offensive coordinator and you had the naysayers at the time, statistically in, in comparing the rest of the, uh, especially the conference, but across the country, his ability to to lead an offense was exceptional and now you add even more talent and more uh, expectations and a strong identity in a locker room and um, I'm expecting nothing less than a a, at least maintenance of where we've been and and potentially a growth from where we've been especially when you're looking at uh, the new players and the amount of talent that this roster has um, and seeing how that gets all put together.
0: Let me ask you one more thing about this, and I want to move on and talk about something different. I think that one of the things that made Todd Munkin really valuable to you, because when he was hired here, no one knew how good he was going to be either. He's obviously turned out to be one of the best you know, assistant coaches that Georgia probably ever had over a short-term basis, for sure. But at the time, people didn't necessarily know that. And you know, I think mostly people still thought the and hire was, was positive when it was made because it did kind of represent a little bit of an outside voice at a time in which maybe some people thought Georgia needed a little bit of an outside voice offensively. With him gone, you know, now Georgia doesn't really have that what I'll call outside voice anymore. It's a lot of guys who are sort of cut from a similar cloth to Kirby Smart here on this coaching staff. How valuable do you think and as kind of an outside presence really was to UGA? And do you think that Georgia is going to miss that component to this coaching staff, which you know, doesn't seem to be in place. On the flip side, there's a lot of cohesiveness, which is also really valuable, too. But you don't really kind of have that sort of outside agitator presence on this staff anymore. Is that something you think Georgia might miss?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to have a variety of perspectives that can challenge one another as long as they're educated and uh, well thought out. And I think you look at this staff, and especially last year, you can see these are some, pretty smart guys in the room that are putting together game plans and evaluating talent and looking for opportunities to accentuate those uh, individual skill sets and I think that's what Munkin has brought to the table most that I'm hoping um, we can retain to some level and it's his ability to look at the players and say we can create opportunities for each guy to, to really highlight what they do best and you know dating back to you know, James Cook and uh, obviously Brock Bowers and, and looking at the various ways Darnell Washington that they're unique and then creating situations for them to really flourish um, I think it's one of the things that sets him Coach Munkin apart and and it's probably why he's going back to the NFL because that's a a common mantra as you're looking at matchups and you're trying to identify um, individual ways to capitalize on, um, you know, anytime you see a spike in the graph, so to speak. If you see uh, a a matchup that that you're trying to exploit and then trying to create situations as much as possible to uh, put yourself in a in a position to take advantage of those um, spikes. So whether or not, um, you know, it it certainly doesn't have to replicate directly the way he approached um, game planning and scheming and calling plays on a Saturday, but hopefully one of the retaining features that this offense holds is its ability to, Uh, put individual players in in situations to really excel and it's less dependent on what the overall approach is and uh, more flexible to being able to create and adjust based on uh, the skill sets that are available.
0: I want to talk about NFL draft stuff here for a moment and obviously this is a thing you know well the pre-draft process you went through this and went on to a, a very good NFL career with the New Orleans Saints but for the guys who are doing this right now for Georgia John I'm Curious just what you think is interesting about this right now but for me what i sort of find interesting about georgia and it's kind of pre-draft situation here is is it seems like you've got a lot of swing prospects right now i talked about keely ringo as being one of those guys a little earlier one of those guys that could perform his way into the first round or maybe falls to the second you know it seems like Nolan smith's a little bit of that too coming off of injury maybe a different type of evaluation but but a guy that could be in the first round or maybe not uh i think that darnell washington's probably a little bit like that there as well where you know the high projection has those guys going the first round but there's also a chance that they could sort of slip out here a little bit as well and I guess that to me is what's interesting is rooting for these guys as a Georgia fan which I am rooting for these guys who've given so much to Georgia to get that confirmation that affirmation here by hearing their name called by Roger Goodell it seems like over the course of the next few weeks we're gonna have a lot of those type guys to root for who based on how Pro Day goes, or in some cases, the scouting combine goes, these are guys that could sort of perform their way into the first round here, and I don't mind telling you, I hope that they do.
1: Oh, yeah, and and this is exciting for us, it can be very stressful as a player during those times, because you just don't know, I mean, I I don't think uh, folks were expecting Trayvon Walker to go number one overall, and you're so excited when he does, and same thing for Quay Walker, he's... Uh, the The first linebacker taken, and then we're watching for nakobe Dean's name to be called last year jamari Sawyer. so um it's it's always in the eye of the beholder uh you You're just hoping that there's a team or two that w- looks out there and says, "You know this guy fits in what we do really well, we've gotta have it but um you know as I train offensive linemen getting ready for the draft now from across the country yeah um you just don't know. And, and oddly enough, it's funny when you're looking at um, statistics and saying the rosters, and I think it's uh, barely half are filled with draft picks as compared to undrafted free agents. And that's a mind boggling uh, statistic when you think how much effort and time and money is spent on evaluating talent coming out of college that. You think their success ratio of of getting it right on guys that they're spending money on and saying, hey, this guy's going to help our team as compared to the free agent that's able to uh, float through seven rounds and not even get picked up, it's pretty startling. Uh, But I think what the the advantage that the Georgia players have is the level of competition that they've seen, not just on Saturday, but during the week. And think you can see how that translates on, on Sundays in their preparation level as they transition from college to pros. Um, we've seen, especially in recent years, a number of guys that are instant contributors. And you know, a lot of that has to do with their just overall athletic ability and skill set. But I think what Georgia has done a fantastic job of and, and, and really in a marked difference is the development of talent, of moving guys who are really, really good into that special category. And that's probably why we saw a record number of draft picks, especially in the first round this past season, and um, why Georgia will continue to to load the NFL with talent that's ready to play because of uh, what they've put in and and, um, how they've developed while they've been in Athens.
0: One more thing on this. I'm really fascinated by the conversation around Jalen Carter right now for a couple of reasons. A, I think when it's all said and done, on a defense that's been so populated by amazing players the last couple of years is that Carter may one day really be the guy that stands out in this group. He may be the best of the bunch, and it seems like you know, he has a very good chance of being number one overall pick. I know Chicago's kind of shopping some trade options for that number one pick here right now, but certainly Carter has a chance to go number one overall no matter who ultimately ends up making that pick. And you get the sense based on the way that he's being discussed right now that he really kind of has the the I guess the image of being kind of special prospect a sort of a special draft and there's a number one pick every year but it seems like there's a chance that if Carter gets that spot this year he may you know really arrive with a huge level of expectations at the next level you know one of the better interior defensive line prospects we've seen in in, in quite some time you know what do you think about Jalen and I guess how how remarkable do you think his chances are for for great NFL success
1: oh well last year when I'm talking to NFL scouts uh, what's funny is they're you're talking about how loaded this, the defense was and how many first-round potential players they had, and the, the special defensive line uh, players that they should have, and you know, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, and to a person, they were like, "Well, you know, the, the arguably the best one with the highest ceiling isn't available." Uh, In this draft class. And and obviously, they were talking about Jalen, who's coming out this year. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, oddly, you know, even with that first round pick, you're you're primarily looking at quarterbacks or even a disruptive pass rusher, a defensive end type outside linebacker. And for it to be an interior defensive lineman only speaks to his unique ability to. Separates himself from everyone else in the position. It's pretty rare when you're talking about an interior defensive lineman being a potential number one pick in the draft. So um, he's a special talent, and it, he's proven it again and again. And uh, even when he's dealing with injuries this past season, I think when he got in the game, and, and obviously late in the season when he was healthier, you see – how disruptive he can truly be and there isn't a team in the country that wouldn't want a guy that can affect a game from between the guards and jalen carter
0: certainly fits that bill hey i want to say this before i let you go john this is our first time to talking in a couple of weeks but right before you left go to town uh i had a chance to be with you for a great event it's called night to shine uh, there uh at a-, at a church in dunwoody it's a prom for special for folks with special needs uh, the Tim Tebow, I guess, is kind of the, the one that kind of got this started, and it takes place at events all across the country, really, on that same night. And you know, you were there, uh, Terrence Edwards was there, David Green was there, uh, Charles Grant was there, George Foster was there, your brother Matt uh, Stinchcomb was there. I'll make sure I don't leave anybody out. Uh, obviously, Moose Smith, the terrific former Georgia running back, was on hand there as well. And John, I was just sort of blown away by. Just how involved you and your you know, former teammates and friends that, that that played at Georgia were in this, like right in the middle of this, making it a special night for everybody who was there. It was a really honor for me to be a part of that. such a fun thing to be able to see, and I just love seeing former dogs kind of leveraging their fame and their uh, notoriety for uh, such a great cause. It was uh, such a special night. So, John, I just wanted to say thank you really quick before uh, I let you go for allowing me to be a part of that and kind of seeing some of that up close and personal it was really a uh, it, was, it was really a fantastic evening.
1: Well, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity as well. I mean, obviously, your participation was huge and, and spreading the awareness. And uh, let's be honest, I, we were just at the end of the night. We we're just hoping that the attendees had as much fun as we did. Yeah. I mean, we were laughing, cutting up, and it was just a great environment. And it seemed like uh, everybody was having a really good time. And and we were teasing each other because, uh, you know, Musa still leading the league and, and carries because you know, as we're escorting the, the guest down the red carpet, I mean, he was quick to jump in there. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, it was just such a fun night, and um, it, it was happening literally across the world in so many different locations, and for us to be able to be a part of it was a, a treat for everybody, and, uh, you know, we're still trying to represent that G, and um, I think that was one of the many, many blessings that came from our time at Georgia is understanding that there's there's opportunities for all of us to get back and share and uh, go through this life together. And when we get an opportunity to kind of put smiles on the faces of those that have unique challenges, um, it's a good opportunity for us to, to recognize the, the benefits and blessings that we have and that we can share. So
0: a great night. John, great stuff. Good to be back with you here again on uh, Dog Nation Daily. Of course, our um, uh, uh, by the way, our Marlow's Tavern Insider Update there as well. Of course, John Stinchcomb, our Marlowe's tavern insider also our dog nation insider there as well but the good news is you can be just like john you can be a marlo's tavern insider yourself you can tell i've been on vacation i almost forgot to give a great shout out to our friends at uh, marlo's tavern for their great involvement in our program here and sure enough if you want the great chef inspired food that marlo's tavern is famous for those great craft cocktails, all those things there as well. Uh, Become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. A great way for you to enjoy all that. And you get a great incentive just for signing up. You get $10 off your $30 order there at Marlowe's Tavern just for signing up. Then once you become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club, by the way, it's free to join. You can also earn what they call qualified visits. When you uh, go to Marlowe's Tavern, you spend at least $15. You earn that qualified visit. And then once you get up to four qualified visits, they're going to receive a complimentary entree on your next visit that's worth up to $20 there as well. So uh, you can redeem your free uh, 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 entree right there at your favorite Marlowe's Tavern. You can check them out today. Uh, simply go to Marlowe's Tavern.com for more on that, including the tavern right there in your neighborhood, but Marlowe's Tavern.com to become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. So John, good to have you here. Thanks for being with us, and we will look forward to speaking to you again very soon.
1: Glad to be back on. Go, dog. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through.
0: Yeah, so great to be doing that with John Stinchcomb again and appreciate his thoughts on a number of subjects here. And obviously, we'll look forward to having those conversations with John again as we get closer to spring practice here. Uh, I I think we have Auburn starting spring practice today in the SEC. I believe that's true. So we're essentially here. It's essentially upon us. So uh, that is all really good stuff. So we are excited about that. And speaking of being excited, I got to tell you, my excitement continues after having just gotten off of wonder of the seas the largest cruise ship in the world and what a trip that we had my family and i lucky enough to be able to do this this past week just back got back yesterday kind of back here in the saddle again here today and you know i obviously talked to you during this space about royal caribbean a lot and i want you to know how much this is legitimate real very authentic and genuine for me got a chance to take my kids on a cruise for the very first time and i'll never forget this i really won't and there are so many great things I think I could tell you about, and I, over the course of the next few days, I'm sure I'll tell you about plenty, but for me, the thing that I'll probably end up remembering the most about this cruise was, you know, at night, we would all be together at dinner, we'd go to the main dining room, we'd have dinner there, and to see my, you know, kids kind of getting a little bit dressed up, and, you know, kind of sitting at the table, and of course, it's kind of, you know, white tablecloth, you had all the silverware out, and all the, you know, the different, you know, sort of fancy sort of uh, things that you kind of do for a, for a great dinner on a cruise ship. But to just share that time with them and talk about what they would remember from the day and what we we're going to do that night, what we we're going to do tomorrow. And I don't know. There is something about a great dinner like that that kind of brings about a conversation that you just don't normally have in the real world. When, you know, it's easy to want to be on your phone or it's easy to want to eat in 15 minutes and kind of, you know, run on to the next thing. This is one of those things where you sort of sit, you pause, you take a little time. And I don't know, you kind of got to know each other. And that's what really a vacation is all about, is kind of deepening that connection that you know we have with each other, my wife and I, my, our relationship with our kids, too. And I just got to tell you, that was mission accomplished for us on that cruise. That's really why we went on the cruise. We wanted to share this with our kids. We wanted to share this with our, you know, as our family. We felt like we really needed it. I'm sure you probably feel the same way and it could not have worked out any better. So my sincere invitation to you is to experience what we experience. And by the way, Jessica Slater, the travel agent that I tell you about, she was actually on the cruise herself. So she and I got a chance to hang out a little bit. Her husband, Ben, who I've known for a long time, uh, we were able to kind of hang out a little bit. And that was really fun too. And you can give Jessica a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she can help you with all you need to know. About the Royal Caribbean cruise itineraries and the choices that are right for you, you may even be able to find out more about the uh, Dog Nation cruise there as well by going to RoyalDogs.com. That's RoyalDogs.com. In fact, on the cruise, she got an email from somebody who had gone to RoyalDogs.com saying, "Hey, I still want to be a part of that Dog Nation cruise." So there's still a little bit of time for you to join that and be a part of that if you want to. And Jessica will help you out with all of that. All right, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC now, courtesy of Royal Caribbean and. We talked about NFL draft off the top of the show here, and you can't help but notice that the SEC, not only does George have a chance to kind of dominate the draft once again, but the SEC itself has a chance to really be a dominant conference once again when it comes to the NFL draft. In particular, they're in the first round. I think there are a couple of interesting NFL draft storylines related to former SEC stars that are pretty interesting. I mean, one way or another, Will Lev is going to be taken very high in this draft, and I'm like so many of you in the fact that I can't help but roll my eyes about that. How is a guy who was not, in my mind, ever great in college, ever hopeful to be great in the NFL? I just have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. But one way or another, it seems like these NFL draft scouts are enamored with the skill set. They're enamored, enamored with the the size, the arm strength, and you know, listen, I maybe would have to say the same thing about Josh Allen at one point in time. He wasn't very good at Wyoming. He's turned out to be really good, uh, obviously, with the Buffalo Bills. You know, Daniel Jones with the Giants is probably a little bit better than I assumed he would be. He wasn't very good in college either. Uh, so maybe that's the pathway for uh, Will Levis here, too, to be better than what his college profile has been. But listen, if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I'm not betting on Levis. If I'm thinking about my NFL fandom here— Atlanta Falcons if they were to draft Levis would I be disappointed yeah you better believe I'd be very disappointed in comparison to guys like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud some of the other quarterbacks in this draft I just couldn't see taking Levis over one of those those two guys in particular I just couldn't see it uh but one way or another he's gonna he's gonna be drafted very high here I think something else that's kind of interesting speaking of the Alabama stuff you know and this is not meant to be like snarky or you know whatever you know trollish but it's just true In some form or fashion, you are very likely to see both Bryce Young and Will Anderson go in the top five of this draft. And you will be reminded at that point in time. I mean, there could be as many as 14, 15 uh, SEC guys taking the first round. You know, Young and Anderson could both go in the top five. They're going to be left to conclude gosh, this team lost two regular season games last year with both these guys, albeit with Bryce Young banged up a little bit. But they lost two regular season games last year, failed to win a national championship. When there was really kind of a two-year span in which a lot of folks would have told you, "Oh, you know, Young was the best offensive. Uh, Will Anderson was the best defensive player in the country," and yet, um, and yet they really have nothing to show for it from a team standpoint. That's got to sting. Got for Alabama a little bit. But those are guys that are going to be, you know, pretty heavily discussed here, and I think rightly so. I mean, listen, I th- I still think Will Anderson's a great player. I do. I think that Jalen Carter's probably rightly proven himself to be better, but I think that Will Anderson's a great, great player. But it sort of speaks to the kind of what might have been for Alabama a little bit, the woulda, coulda, shoulda of what you maybe had a chance to do while they were on your roster. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, pretty interesting stuff as you head towards the NFL draft, which is getting closer. NFL scouting combine this week from Indianapolis, and obviously Georgia Pro Day looms a couple of weeks after that. And then, of course, the NFL draft coming up in April, too. And by the way, we'll have a really fun final night of our cruise NFL draft party. We'll watch the first round right from high atop Independence of the Seas, just like we did last year. Boy, that's going to be a great time, even bigger this year, obviously way bigger uh, than before, so that's going to be great. Speaking of the NFL, so where Patrick Toney, uh, co-defense coordinator at Florida, is on his way to the Arizona Cardinals, at least reportedly so. I guess this is final now. He's on his way to the Cardinals. What we don't know yet is what job Tony's going to have with the Cardinals right now. He's just being listed as a defensive assistant, but he's on his way. Billy Napier has acknowledged that. And, you know... I guess two quick thoughts on this. Another example of what we seem to see a lot right now of guys that can go to the NFL are doing so. You don't see as many guys from the NFL coming down to college, but you see a lot of guys in college looking to get to the NFL. I think that means something. People don't seem to be paying enough attention to that. I don't believe, but I do believe it means something. And this is, I would say, another example of that. But beyond that, here's the other thing that I think this says about Florida right now. And once again, this is not meant to be trollish or you know, obviously relish the idea of being a Gator hater. I believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. We don't make any you know, uh, uh, false assumptions here. We are true Gator haters in every sense of the word. But in this particular case, I'm not trying to be a Gator hater. I'm trying to give you an honest read on the situation. I think if I'm looking at one year's worth of Billy Napier, kind of moving into year two on the field, I think the one thing you have to say is, at the very least, it is unsettled at Florida right now. You know, you're losing a guy like this after one year on the job, now going on in the NFL. You have a quarterback competition this spring that sort of looks like Graham Mertz versus Jack, uh, Jack Miller. There is just something about Florida right now that just sort of seems a little bit unsettled. And, you know, maybe they find some footing on the field this year. Maybe that kind of comes to be. But for now, there is a situation around... <coughs> excuse me. There is a situation around Florida that just feels a little bit unsettled, and I think that's the read on the situation here with a guy,, uh, you know, like Tony moving on to the NFL. And then finally, I'll give you this. And I don't have a ton to say about this. This was obviously a very big story while I was gone. But the Brandon Miller situation in Alabama is just a little bit weird. I mean, it's more than just a little bit weird. His gun being used in uh, uh, you know, alleged murder, uh, you know, a, a very tough, very weird situation. Obviously, nobody likes what happened in Alabama Uh, with the player introduction today when he's patted down. They've been doing that all year long. A lot of you are very well aware of this story right now. Miller, one of the stars of an Alabama team that could win the national championship. But his connection to this, uh, uh, you know, alleged connection to this murder, I guess, one of those things that, you know, know, details for me, probably a little bit sketchy, is kind of putting a dark cloud. Over the Alabama championship pursuit here right now. I do think some of what Jay Billis said about this is probably worth considering. And Billis is not a guy that I'm always a huge fan of, to be completely honest with you. But Billis had talked about how, you know, Miller does have some rights here. And you kind of have to think about him as kind of the same way you're thinking about a general sort of member of the student population here. Would that student be allowed to return to school? In most cases, I think lawyers are saying yes. So in Miller's case, getting a chance to return to basketball. You know, I don't think you'd necessarily treat him different just because he's a basketball player. I think from that standpoint, uh what Billis has said about this is probably worth considering here a little bit. But obviously it is a very, very messy situation for an Alabama team that's trying to break through at a huge level as a basketball program, to have a guy like Miller connected to to this awful, awful story is certainly a tricky situation for Nate Oates right now. And the 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 PR debacle of the player introduction of the day where he was patted down, something that's, you know, kind of they've been doing all year long, just sort of a part of I guess their team culture a little bit, uh, kind of unfortunate in light of everything else that's gone on here. So a little bit of an ugly scene there at Alabama right now will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we wrap things up today, I want to kind of turn the tables on myself here a little bit because while I was gone last week, while we were doing those pre-recorded vacation shows, one of the things I was asking each of our guests at the time, was to give me your sort of Mount Rushmore for Georgia football players, and we kind of had done this. I guess maybe the the retirement of AJ Green, who didn't quite make anyone's uh, Mount Rushmore, but the retirement of Green had sort of started this conversation about the all time greats and who's remembered where and the rankings. And there is something really fun about the idea of a Mount Rushmore as a sports topic because it is sort of self defining narrowly right it's one of those things that you define narrowly because you only have room for four faces that is what mount rushmore is so you don't got room for four faces so i had asked you know all of our guests you know give me your uh give me your mount rushmore you know give me your guys and what i realized was last week i never kind of gave my own so i want to now give you my four And I'm sure that your four might differ from mine slightly. But as a way of kind of putting a punctuation mark on this topic, I want to give you my four. First of all, easiest name to put on there, Herschel Walker. To me, Herschel Walker is not only the greatest player in Georgia football history. He is the greatest player in college football history. He goes on the list. Next name on my list is David Pollock. I think that David Pollock, as an individual game-wrecking type player, 2002, big sack total, what he contributed to those early Mark Rick teams, I think that David Pollock kind of rises the level for me of being, you know, one of the four best players in this program history. Pollock makes the list for me next on my list. And these are, you know, after Herschel, these are no sort you know, no certain order. I'm going to put Chan Bailey. I think that Chan Bailey is obviously in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Champ Bailey, while he played at Georgia, was not only the best defensive player, maybe also the best offensive player there too, was actually a very good wide receiver playing at Georgia there as well uh, for, for Coach Jim Donnan. This is the kind of overwhelming talent that I think probably stands for me ahead of anybody else who's out there. Uh, close for me in some respects, but Champ Bailey going to make my list there as well. So three of my four, Herschel Walker, David Pollock, Champ Bailey my fourth, and I wrestle with this for a little bit, but my fourth is Brock Bowers. And some of this is sort of based on the idea that Bowers got one more year to contribute. You know, Bowers has the huge touchdown total in his freshman season of 2021. 20, uh, he almost had a thousand yards uh, this past year, something only one Georgia player has done in program history. And he gets to come back for another year there as well. And if Georgia were to win the national championship again this year, which is obviously projecting things a bit, but if you want to kind of have that Sort of hypothetical conversation here for a moment, then Bowers really stands as the major contributor to all three of those terrific seasons. And that would just sort of give him a level of historic significance that most other Georgia players wouldn't have. And in comparison to another guy that's sort of contemporary to him, Stats of Bennett, Bennett part of the first two, not here for 2023. So maybe a little bit of projection here. But but Bowers to me has been the best player on the Georgia roster the last two seasons. He just has been. Uh, you know, guys like Jalen Carter have been close. You know, Bennett plays the quarterback position. That's the most important position. But but Bowers is the best player. Bowers is going to be a very high NFL draft pick after next year. So in that debate, I am going to lean the direction of Brock Bowers. So I also think if you're looking at the history of Georgia football as represented by Mount Rushmore, uh, only room for four names, four faces. You have got to include something from this back-to-back era as a part of that. And to me, Bowers the best player on the last, you know, two years worth of teams. So he gets that nod for me. So that is my four. It is Brock Bowers, it is Champ Bailey, it is David Pollock, it is Herschel Walker. The guy that just missed the cut for me. Um, if you had room for five, my fifth would be Nick Chubb. And I, I said this to one of our guests last week that there's a part of me that wants to make the argument for Chubb, even though Chubb doesn't actually make my four. There's a part of me that wants to make the argument for him for a number of reasons. First of all, Chubb was incredibly significant in that 2017 season that we just talked about. You know, Georgia getting the College Football Playoff, something he had not ever done before. Uh, you know, making it to a national championship game, laying the foundation for what would eventually become back-to-back national championships. You heard Smart say that. In the in the clip that that we played a moment ago, when you referenced those seniors, one of those guys he was referencing was you know Nick Chubb as a senior that allowed Georgia to kind of build that sort of bedrock season that other future seasons for Georgia would be built on. And in addition to that, I would say that in 2014, when Chubb got his chance to shine after you know the Todd Gurley suspension and the eventual Todd Gurley injury individually i'm not quite so sure over the course of a stretch like that how many players have ever been more dominant than chubb was during that stretch missouri game arkansas game bowl game against louisville this was a dominant player so to me chubb is a kind of an interesting combination of uh, of of short-term dominance historical significance Georgia obviously has been a program that sort of fashioned itself as running back university if you're RBU then you want to have more than run, one running back in sort of conversation for greatest players in program history and to me the second best running back that Georgia's ever had is is Nick Chubb and because of that Chubb gets consideration i'd say Stetson Bennett gets consideration i'd say you know some other defensive guys from 2021 they might get consideration but there's really nobody that's been more valuable the last couple of years than what Brock Bowers has been. So Bowers, Champ, Pollock, Herschel, that's my four. Um, I would give sort of runner-up consideration to Nick Chubb and maybe sixth runner-up consideration to maybe Stetson Bennett, but uh, that is my Mount Rushmore. So since I asked everybody else, I wanted to give you mine, and that is mine. With that said, we'll wrap up today's show. And for our golden shoe, want to do something a little bit different today. Yesterday was also a, a very special day for a former UGA athlete on the PGA Tour. And This is a remarkable story, and you know, we don't have tons of time to talk about golf here, but obviously this is one of those things I was very happy to see kind of arriving back. Uh, Chris Kirk won the Honda Classic yesterday, and it's always fun to see the dogs on tour performing well. But in the case of Kirk, this is obviously a maybe a little bit additionally special story because of how open he's been about the things that he's sort of battling his life in fact i'll show you this from the pga tour as a way of honoring kirk uh you know he's been open about the fact that he's kind of dealt with anxiety and depression and uh some sobriety issues and you know he talked about that in the uh the win uh there yesterday uh even so much so that it kind of took him away from the pga tour for a while well he's back now he's healthier than ever he says i want to be so thankful for my sobriety and thankful for my family there as well kirk went into the honda classic over the course of the weekend great to see that we'll give a golden shoe there for that remind you speaking of the lousy Stinging gators we mentioned them a little bit earlier how about 243 days from now georgia back in Jacksonville, well, maybe for the last time but nonetheless beating up on florida Uh, That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Thank you all for being with us here today. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And of the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Boy, it's great to be doing this with you again. Feels like we haven't spoken in this space in a little bit of time here, but I'm very, very thankful to be doing that. Of course, getting back to your comments on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, in the comments section at dognation.com. I do want to also mention this uh, late-breaking news here just coming in as we're finishing today's show. Want to make sure we get this in. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Chris Lowe tweeting out that Glenn Schumann, after interviewing for the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator job, is returning to Georgia, sources tell ESPN. Big news, the Dogs uh, Lowe says. Schumann was a co-DC and called plays last year for the two-time national champion. Georgia's already lost. Todd Monk of the NFL. That's coming from Chris Lowe on Twitter. And obviously, this is big news. Um, maybe not unexpected. I don't know that anyone thought that Schumann was leaving Georgia. But it does tell you a couple of things. First of all, it tells you that Schumann is a name to know. Georgia fans know him. Now his notoriety kind of rising here a little bit uh, outside the Georgia program. So I think the spotlight's going to be on Glenn Schumann in a much bigger way. Now, a, a, a lot of times that's what the purpose of these interviews are. Um, you just sort of raise your profile by by these interviews. And the Schumann profile is raising here a little bit like the path that uh, his former partner, Dan Lanning, you know, kind of went through where... One point in time, you know, uh, Lanning was sort of an unknown, kind of grew as, as the defensive coordinator figure and eventually became Oregon head coach. That's one of the best jobs in the country. That may be one of the, what, 20, 25 best jobs in the country. Lanning got it because of his work at Georgia. And now Glenn Schumann, who's even younger, kind of traveling a, a similar path here in terms of doing great work with the Georgia defense and, you know, eventually maybe becoming a head coach some way, the same way that Dan Lanning did after only a few years on the job. The other thing is... In a day and age in which it seems like so many coaches are bolting from college for the NFL, that is not a two-way street right now. Uh, you only see that traffic moving one way. College guys want the less pressure, the less you know, challenge, the you know, the the work-life balance that the NFL provides that college doesn't really provide. And yet, you know, it takes a special kind of coach to say, "Hey, you no, know, actually, college is where I want to be." And another thing you get from Glenn Schumann here is the indication there is that that college football is the place that he wants to be. This is where he feels like he's best fit to serve. Kind of like his mentor Kirby Smart probably has sort of felt the same way that he you know what's the, people say he wants that smoke, you know, you know, Schumann wants that at the college level. Kirby has clearly wanted that. They like the recruiting. They like the thing that makes it hard because the the stuff that makes the job hard also gives them a chance to to differentiate themselves in comparison to to everybody else. They they get to show how good they are by their ability to do what is hard so that's something else to kind of like here that schumann clearly wants and embraces all of that so uh coming from chris Lowe, it'd been kind of chattered i guess about a little bit that that maybe schumann was interviewing for the eagles job that has happened uh he is though staying at georgia Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, We'll have more on this on the show tomorrow. For now, thanks for being here with us for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. Uh, They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised, including getting that air conditioning unit tuned back up, Uh, getting ready for some warm weather. Obviously, got a little bit of a pre-spring preview here over the course of the last couple of days, it seems. So go ahead and be ready to go for the uh, warm weather season that's coming up by getting an AC ready to go there as well get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs just cost you 99 bucks so make it make sure you find that online at rsandrews.com. have a great day we will see all of you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by Pella window indoor of Georgia we will look forward to talking to you then